0: I'm usually good at using my calendar, but sometimes I think to myself, ah, I don't have to put this on my calendar because I can remember it for sure. <laughs> and then bam, just like next day or one hour later, I'm getting, you know, the system will punish me because I, I forgot it, you know.
1: Welcome to Experimental Encounters, where we share our journey towards less friction and more freedom. We explore the sweet spot between ancient wisdom, productivity, psychology, and technology. First, we share our latest encounters. Then we will move on to our main topic, optimizing your calendar. We are your hosts, Torbjörn and Kenneth. Let the experimentation begin. Okay, Torbjörn, what have you been up to since last time?
0: Yes, Uh, I found a very fun rabbit hole in the chat. GPT, it's always. <laughs> as, uh, as always. Yes. Uh, this time I was trying to make it help me write better scripts and better data view queries in Obsidian. Mm. But uh, as I found out the data for the language model is from 2021, and there's been a lot of updates to all these things I was trying to make it help me. Yeah. So it was giving me answers uh, that was out, that were outdated. Yeah. Yeah. That was the main thing I took away from that. But it was still fun to, to make it write uh, some code, put it in, and then there was a, an error message and then I copied the error message and pasted it into a chat GPT to make it make new corrections back and forth. I didn't really have any success with it yet. But I'm confident that uh, in the future, it will be a huge benefit to do fast prototyping of programming. And okay. also, if you choose a programming language that has not changed that much in the last two years, it will probably make some better answers as well. Yeah. Then uh, regarding my, uh, my keyboard, I decided to keep my own keyboard. And then I started to make it more silent myself. So I have been taking it apart, put mm-hmm. a lot of foam in it. And I have, even though it's like heresy in the switch world, I have looped my 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 (laughs) blues. So now they are more like uh, silent. And then I've also put O-rings on the, on the bottom.
1: Yes.
0: So, so the bottom out sound is more muffled now. Uh, Yeah. This, and I didn't have enough O-rings because each keycap on this keyboard needs three O-rings to reach the bottom. Uh So it's only the letters. So the first sound here i don't know if it goes through but this is without the o-rings and this is with the o-rings yeah that's pretty so it's pretty so it's much more muffled now and only my number row and my function row is without the o-rings now but they're all duplicated hmm. so right now it's actually quite nice to write on as well because i still have the tactile feedback from the click which hmm. is not you cannot hear anymore
1: yeah every time i have to change keyboard because i'm at a different office, or I have to change to my laptop from my regular keyboard, I mistype so fast. (laughs) So actually just buying some cheap rubber O-rings would be a very good solution for me too, I think. So it's very easy to pop off the keys and just, yeah. Hmm. Might have to try that. Damn you. Yeah. (laughs) What about you, (laughs) Kenneth? Yes. I, like immediately after last week, I came over this interview with a psychologist talking about how youths are using their phones too much. And I was thinking, oh, well, I'm I'm not that young anymore, but I do use my phone too much. And he had like a follow-up on LinkedIn and he said, this is how you fix it. And I was like, "Hmm, interesting. And the way you fix it is you turn off the colors of your screen. And I have to tell you, it was surprisingly hard to get used to. Yeah. This this is my screen now. (laughs) And uh, your brain, it shouts at you, uh, at least at me. It's like, what are you doing? This is wrong. (laughs) You're taking (laughs) away my drug. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're taking away my dopamine. like, oh. so I, was, I was really having a withdrawal. And then I knew, okay, this is working. <laughs> yeah. When I have such a huge, like, to, to a black and white screen, then, then I know it's working. Because my brain, it's fed on, every time I get the notification, I look at the colorful screen, which is more bright than anything else in my natural environment. <clears throat> and I get this dopamine rush. Uh, yeah, so it's been a week. I, I sometimes have to turn it on, mainly because some developers don't take into account that people can't see colors. So mm-hmm. sometimes the, the only thing that changes is the color. So you have to is it, is it saved? Is it done? Is it? So you have to change it back just to see the colors. And also if I use my device for watching a video or something, I sometimes turn on <laughs> The colors, if the color is a large part of the video, but I've watched black and white mostly. So for 99%, I've had just black and white. So yeah, it's surprisingly hard. (laughs) So I challenge anyone listening (laughs) to try it out and think about this, that if you find it hard, there's something going on here with your brain that that's telling you it's harder than it should be. So
0: did it help you in decreasing your screen time or unnecessary screen time?
1: Yes, I feel much less attraction to picking up my phone. So I haven't measured it, but I'm, I'm quite sure that I pick up my phone much less than I did before, because before I always had my phone two places, either on the charging pad or in a pocket on my, on my trousers where I always have the phone if I'm not at the desk. Yeah. And when I had it black and white now, I have several times managed to forget my phone at my desk and that's literally never happened to me before. <laughs> so I've never gone somewhere else, never gone to the car to get the kids. And like, where's my phone? Why isn't it in my pocket? It's the only place it's supposed to be. And I have to go back to my desk. And it's, it's there. I didn't put it in my pocket. How, <laughs> how is that possible?
0: Okay. So also to turn the question around, did you miss anything important?
1: Because of this. No, no, nope. oh, no, nothing at all. Really
0: um, Yeah. <laughs> at yeah, least I as I know this, to... it's just been a week, so <laughs> it's yeah.
1: hard to know. Yeah. So, but not this week. So, so I think it's just the dopamine rush and any important messages, they come to my screens anyway. So yeah, quite interesting uh, experiment there. Actually, I also thought about talking about our use of calendars. And I don't know if you should say optimizing your calendar or calling it how to use your calendar, which all all sounds very boring. (laughs) (laughs) Maximizing your calendars are 10 ways to 10 X your productivity. Like to say on YouTube, but I was thinking a lot about how time is the primary limiting factor in our lives. Everyone has just 24 hours. And uh, our calendar is the best tool for managing our time and not missing deadlines, not missing meetings and so on. I found it very interesting comparing your different notes, the accumulated knowledge from a while back and until a few days ago, I wrote something about the calendar because it struck me and that's about color coding your calendar. So now I'm not using the colors on my phone on my calendar because I don't see colors, but I can see if it's a bright (laughs) color or if it's like a (laughs) muted color. And and that's the, the important part because the bright colors are for the important, the hard landscapes, the things you can't move, the things you can't really shuffle about and all the reference calendars, like the things that it's okay to know about that. There's a concert next weekend or something that you might go to, but it's yes. not something you have committed to. And that's the way I, I separate those two things. I found there's five different points to your cal- calendar. The first thing is the technical setup, how to use your calendar. And then there's the different things you should think about when you use your calendar, so there's a scheduling and a batching booking and agenda so these are the the five topics i'm not saying that those are the only parts of the calendar that are important but that's the the topics i noted down and i have written maybe a hundred notes on the different topics there because they seem to be important to me at least and i come back to them all the time i can see like the first important thing for me is Whenever you you have a calendar app, if it's a Google Calendar or Outlook Calendar, it doesn't matter. What's important is that you have to let your calendar beat your email inbox. So it's very easy to feed the urge to check your emails. But your emails is actually things you haven't prioritized yet. So it's much more important to check your calendar, which is your prioritized list of things to do. So every day you should start with checking your calendar. So my start home screen on my phone is my calendar. And same if I open outlook, I don't get straight into the inbox. I get straight into my calendar. And that's a very important distinction because whenever you come into this context of checking emails, then suddenly you've used half an hour and then, oh, I better check my calendar. <gasps> There's a meeting in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and that's a very bad start at the, of the day for me, at least. Just making the calendar the default option. And uh, I don't know how many times it has saved my ass just being the default. So whenever I I feel the need to check email, (laughs) I get the calendar. Oh, no, I can check email now. I I have a meeting in (laughs) 15 minutes. And the other thing is, as I said before, differentiating between my hard calendars, which are the things that I can't really change easily, at least, and the reference calendars, which is more... things that are are nice to know. So I'm thinking of uh, of enrolling in a course at the university and uh, they will have like office hours for the different professors and so on. And just having the office hours in a different calendar would be very useful because it's not something I need to see every day, but being able to have the calendar is very nice. Mm. Yeah. And also if you have trainings or my family have brass band, yeah, practice and so on. It's not on my calendar because it's I'm not a brass band member, <laughs> but but it's nice for me to be able to look at the calendar and see when they are yeah. away on different assignments. A- another
0: activities. another benefit I've had of of other calendars is also my colleagues because uh, in Outlook at our place, yeah, I can add to their calendar. Uh, if I want to call one of my colleagues, I usually always go to their calendar and see if they are yeah. in a meeting. Yeah. Because if they're in a meeting, they will likely not answer it anyway.
1: Yeah. uh, (laughs) yeah.
0: And then I can also see when the meeting ends and I can remind myself to call them later. Yeah. Because I'm often called when I'm in meetings by my colleagues and they obviously don't use that feature yet of checking my calendar first. Maybe they are out and about and cannot see it. That's fair, but if you are in front of your screen uh, anyways, it's a nice tip to, to disturb less um, because I will always dismiss the call and, and make an automatic reply if I can call back later. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I actually did that before this meeting or when we met now. So I looked at the calendar of one of my colleagues and no, there's no use in calling him now because he's, he's busy with something else. And uh, so I just sent him an invite to a meeting instead, because we have a few things to talk about. And I thought, okay, then I'll just invite him to a meeting and then he'll, he'll know what I want to talk to him about. He doesn't need to have this open loop. Oh, he called me. I wonder what that was about. And so now, now it's all more settled into the calendar and yeah, I think that's a very nice feature. If you work at the workplace with shared calendars, it's highly recommended use it so it's it's better for everyone's productivity I'm rereading the the book brain chains by Theo Campanoli which is not a high priority task but it's something I do when I feel I have the time and want to read so I try to do as Nicholas Lumen says I only do what's easy and probably because I knew I was supposed to talk about this today I came over some parts in his book about calendars, and he actually said, do not try to combine household, family, and work. Everything will suffer. (laughs) (laughs) So he says that the, the reason for this isn't that you shouldn't work at home, but you shouldn't switch context this hard. So your work context and your home context, they are so wildly different that the brain freaks out when it needs to change between these two very different environments. You are at work even though you're at home. So I always dress in a shirt even though I could just show up in a t-shirt and slacks (laughs) every day and no one would really care much. But for me, it's very important to keep the frame of mind, keep the ritual of I'm going to work Uh, and if it's cold, I even wear a blazer. And it's not because I'm trying to show I'm important. It's just to fool my brain into being in the work context and wearing what I would use at work anyway. And my family can quite clearly see when I'm finished with work. And if I come into the rest of the house, and I'm not wearing a blazer or I'm not wearing a shirt, then I'm not at work. <laughs> Trying to like keep these things separate is, is pretty important. And also when you set up your calendar, try to <clears throat> make sure that you That you have these things put together so if you need to do things at home don't spread it out over the whole day try to keep it together in one area of your calendar. for instance if you if you want to put on a wash or do some dishes or whatever you clean up the house or something try to do it when you are taking a break anyway so don't take a break from your work and do something come back to your work but Maybe when you're waiting for the food to warm up or something, do the yeah. house chores or whatever, that's what I'm trying to do. Yes. And in scheduling, it's pretty important to try and, and understand how our brain works. So one of the big advantages I found is to add my travel time to my calendar. When, for instance, if you're going to the hospital for, my daughter broke her arm the other day, (laughs) and when I'm going to the hospital, don't just add the appointment in the calendar because you know you're going to stay a longer time than the appointment actually says. Yeah. Uh, that's, That's one thing, but also add the time you need to travel there and the time you need to get everyone ready and just like try to take it all
0: into account. Yeah. I have it here as well. I have some areas yeah. which are with the lines. That is the yeah. travel time back and forth. Yes. And it's just a reminder how much white space do I have in between? Yeah.
1: Yes. And for those who are not watching, but just listening, Turburn just has put aside time on his calendars before and after the meeting. So he knows actually how much time he has left on the rest of the day. And it's, it's surprising how how much better it is. So, and how many times I've actually been able to, to overbook myself because most meetings are not like this. You just have a meeting and you can actually go maybe from one office or meeting room to another in a few minutes. So it's back to back. It's not that big of a, of a deal. I'm getting back to that, but having this <coughs> space between the calendars is, is very helpful. And the other thing is, which I also read about how you should schedule breaks between your meetings and I'm just paraphrasing here. He says,
0: yeah, it gives, it gives your archive brain the time.
1: Yeah, it's unload. not a nice is It's a necessity. So he says that if we don't schedule breaks between our meetings, we rob ourselves, as you said, of the archiving brain being able to file all the information in the right place, so you can actually retrieve it later, mm-hmm. and and be sure that you've made the right decision and actually remember what decision you made. But he also said it's very important for for you physically, like physically and mentally. So you you recharge your brain whenever you you stop doing something, your brain can't help but starting archiving and like resting up and gearing up for the next thing. But if you don't have any space between here, then your archiving brain just have to say, no, just flush it out. It's not important because something else came up. Yeah, And and then you go, yeah, I remember we had a meeting about this, but what did we actually decide?
0: (laughs) Yeah, and also just... Not only your brain, but also your, your consciousness. So you have the time to write down yeah. key uh, components from the meeting. what are your next actions? What are your commitments and yeah. get a finish? Just capture it. you don't have to put it into your system. Just capture all your next actions. Yeah. And, and then as you do that, you will automatically also unload your, your brain yeah. and if possible, take a small walk get some coffee and just think about nothing yeah. until the next meeting. Yes.
1: Yes. And he says, he explicitly says, do not check social media. Yeah. It's not a break for your brain. <laughs> that's just new input. So going to your phone and doing candy crush or whatever, that's not actually giving your brain the relief for your brain to be able to start archiving. It has to be bored. <laughs> yes. Take a break and, let your brain be bored for a little while, then it will start doing the archiving tasks.
0: And many people uh, are afraid to do it because it's a state of mind they're not used to. And they all always think they have to do something to be productive. But sometimes the most productive thing to do is to do nothing.
1: Yeah. And I think that's also why many people freak out about meditation.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Because doing nothing seems so counterintuitive in this, uh, in this world where we have so limited time and so much you want yeah. to do. And, actually, if you meditate, this will actually happen by itself. Even if you don't consciously think about it, your brain will start archiving and yeah. you'll be more present in your life. So it has many, many advantages. So, also,
0: yeah, David Ellis is, is also talking about, you have to go slow to go fast. Yeah. And there's also a song by the Danish singer-songwriter Tina Diko. Mm-hmm. It's called Count to Ten, where yeah. she's also in the chorus. She's singing. Sometimes, if you want to go fast, you have to go slow. Yeah. And sometimes, if you want to hold on, you have to let go. Yeah. So, yeah, make yourself those small breaks in between yeah. all the other stuff.
1: And if you if you want to have a good meeting, not just like a regular meeting but especially if you know this is an important meeting i know people's calendar is very busy do these two things start 15 minutes later so don't start on the on the top of the hour start maybe 15 past or a quarter past and end the meeting a quarter two or 15 minutes before so that they have they have this buffer both before the meeting starts, so they can start switching the context in the brain from the task they are doing to something mm. else. Of course, this will only work for a while because most people are just working until the top of the hour and then okay. Now is the meeting. And then they see, oh no, it's it's 15 past. Okay.
0: Do some more stuff.
1: <laughs> they, they often do more stuff, but they actually already switched one time. So it makes it easier for them to switch the second time. Yeah. So you have to prime their brain to start being part of the meeting already. Yeah. And the other thing is stopping 10 or 15 minutes earlier. So they have this break. I don't know how many meetings I've been with customers over the years. And they come maybe a few minutes late because they have too much to do. And the meeting then goes long and we go over time. And then they just have to jump into the other meeting. And, mm. and uh, in the end you notice that important things are lost because it's, it's forgotten it, no, no one has the time to note it down and that's the, that's another thing. So the more I'm talking now, the more people realize that you actually have a very little time frame to get things done in a meeting. <laughs> exactly. So, and the way to solve this because isn't to schedule four hour meetings, but just keep the meetings maybe to an hour or half an hour but schedule them for longer. So if I usually have an hours meeting from two to three, for instance, I would maybe start meeting 10 past or quarter past if it's an important meeting and need everyone to be there and maybe stop 10 to 15 minutes before the top of the hour. And that only leaves me half an hour in the middle there. (laughs) But it actually works better, I think. It's you actually get... A more productive meeting, but there's there's another very important part here, and that's the last point of my list. It's agendas. So it's very important after you have booked the meetings in this way to have a very clear agenda. So a meeting with other without agenda is not a good meeting. I think it was Avella. He said, "No agenda, no agenda." So <laughs> I'm not attending <laughs> if you're not sending me an agenda. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm trying to to do is I always try to reflect on how I can create value for the other participants in the meeting, how I can help them achieve their KPIs or whatever their goals are, how I kind of structure this meeting so that they are able to achieve their goals. Because if I streamline our meeting agenda towards their overall goals, then it's much easier to get them on board. And at the end of the 50 minutes, this is not when the meeting is over, this is before the meeting is over. That means the meeting itself is just like 15, 20 minutes. And it should be as short as that. That is, if you haven't yet started talking about who has this project, what is the next action, when should it be done, and so on. Then the last 15, 20 minutes should be set aside to start deciding these things. Mm -hmm. And, And if people start saying, no, that we have to talk about this first, then you have to like book another meeting because then there's more thinking required or people have to check more things. But usually I say, then that's your first next action. It's figuring these things out, like checking with X and Y and finding out when is it possible to do this? How are we supposed to do it? what, what sort of budget do we have and so on? Because that's so often the the outstanding uh, issues is that, but we can't because we don't know X and Y and C. But then we have to figure it out because we, mm. just booking a new meeting wouldn't solve this part of the <laughs> of the issue. No. So it's so all about the to,
0: decision making.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're having meetings to make decisions, not to not to brainstorm unless it's a brainstorm meeting. But but as um, uh, Sönke Ahrens says in his book How to Take Smart Notes, brainstorming is actually a very poor way to come up with the best ideas. And maybe that should be one of my future topics uh, how to take smart notes or how to get the best ideas. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And also, in regards to this topic, was uh, Parkinson's Law which unless you haven't heard it before, it says that work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. And that's often another counter I have to, but if you do this, the, the, all the meetings are very short. Yeah. Because don't really need that long meetings. You need to make decisions. And if you feel you don't have all the knowledge you need to make these decisions, then that's the decision of the meeting. someone has to do the research and then we can yeah. come back and do the decision-making. So exactly. one be- of
0: my challenges with the, with meetings oftentimes is I'm trying to have an overview of where are we going, at this meeting, but people tend to, instead of uh, giving a, a status about a thing, they will yeah. start talking about solutions. So my challenge is to stop people from talking because we have to move on. (laughs) This is not a brainstorming session. I just need to know, is this done or is it not done? And what is your next action? And then we go to the next point because if no one keeps track of the meeting, uh, it will go over time and we will not have time to do the important decisions. So that is uh, one challenge I have right now. How can I in a polite way, stop my colleagues from talking because they're going off track.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hopefully it getting helps better. to say, Kevin got back on topic, so. yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's also some part of this is not committing a social suicide, so you <laughs> can't be too rude. So, yeah, that's a very short walkthrough, and uh, I'm working on an article about this. I'm not quite sure because when you write something you want people to read it that's that's the whole point of it and if anyone has any suggestions what's the angle you can do to make people read something about using your calendar which sounds very boring and which for many people it seems so obvious how to use a calendar but it's, it's very easy to do it wrong <laughs> exactly and it's, uh, it's very easy to maybe write things in your calendar and don't use it so my lovely wife she's like 10 times as bright as me, or as as the saying goes, the magical number is seven plus man is two. So I I jokingly say that I remember five things and she remembers nine. And that means that usually she remembers everything she needs to remember every day of the week. And I remember nothing. But (laughs) (laughs) as long as it's in my list or in my calendar, I usually am able to remember it. And she sometimes forgets and I feel she forgets some things more than me because she hasn't got this habit of checking her calendar every day. Yeah. So in the last few years she's also been better better at this part but she had a much higher threshold for starting to use her calendar because she was naturally more able to remember these things. I knew that I couldn't remember anything without my calendar. Yeah. So I always checked it. So
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And also for me, sometimes I'm I'm also usually good at using my calendar, but sometimes I think to myself, ah, I don't have to put this on my calendar because I can remember it for sure. (laughs) And then bam, just like next day or one hour later, I'm getting, you know, the system will punish me because I, I forgot it, you know, and then sometimes I get overconfident, but then it's, yeah, I have to pay yeah. right up front.
1: <laughs> yeah. Only Thank thing is certainly life is death and taxes and missing things in your calendar. So <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> if you don't check it. <laughs> yes. So that was uh, how to use your calendar. There are five ways to 10x your calendar. Do you have any recommendations, Yes,
0: I uh, just took this book down from my shelf. It's a book by a, a woman called Laura Vanderkam. It's called 168 Hours. And for you that is poor at math, it is the amount of hours you have in one week. <laughs> and this book is about uh, doing some experiments with time blocking. And I know that normally in GTD, we're not talking about time blocking, but this book has a very simple exercise Uh, it's hard but it's simple Mm -hmm. you make a a spreadsheet with the seven days and the hours zero to 24 and then you just during the day write down what are you spending your time on yeah so you're logging your time in one week uh, because many people say today i I don't have enough time for this and this but if you start if you start noting down what you're using the time on you will Pretty soon, realize that you actually have enough time to do all the things you want. At least that is the promise of this book. Yep. I haven't done the exercise fully for a week, but it's a very it's a very fun read. And there's also examples from people and their time blocking and how that the time blocking just looks like this in the book. It's just an it's just a, a table with with the people yep. noting down what they're doing. And it gives a very clear view of how you're spending your time. And then you can reflect on, am I spending it in the right way on the right things? And then it can inspire you to change your behavior, to use your time in a better way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, damn it. I have to read that too. (laughs) (laughs) So. Yeah, I've, I also have a recommendation and it's, it's been on my recommendation list since we started recording these podcast and publishing them. But now I'm finally going to bring it up and it's how to avoid death by PowerPoint. Yes. And it's for anyone who hasn't seen it, just go watch it three times in a row <laughs> until you're bored of it. And be skeptical and be critical when you see it. That's that way you'll learn even more. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I see this so many times. Often people don't even make presentations at all, but uh, there's so much to learn here. The people I see the most presentations from, they're not actually making presentations. They are making an outline for themselves. Mm
0: -hmm. And then they're reading it aloud.
1: (laughs) And then they're reading it aloud or like using it together with the audience to guide the audience or guide the meeting in a way. And everyone is sitting there and is quite bored unless they are writing very cryptically.
0: <laughs> and there's also a mental aspect to it because when you hear someone read something aloud, you cannot help to read it inside your head as well. Yeah. And, if you're, uh, in the, and if you're out of sync with what the person is saying and what you are reading, yeah. your brain is like uh, you have this cognitive dissonance. Yeah. So your brain it, is using it, a lot of almost, energy. It's almost
1: like hearing an echo of yourself.
0: Exactly. And Uh, people cannot avoid reading ahead of the presenter as well, and then they lose focus of what uh, the person is saying. So please watch this video. Yes,
1: (laughs) please, please. So if you just get one tip out of this, this recording, just go watch how to avoid death by PowerPoint. It's, it's a really good investment of your time. Yes, and we all already completed the the quote, but I can repeat it here maybe. Work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion, and that's by Cyril Northcott Parkinson. I don't think he was the one who got Parkinson, that's that's another guy, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So... But uh, it's it's quite fun to think about. The 24 hours we have every day, they pass no matter what we do. So it's what we choose to do in that amount of time that matters.
0: And back to the 168 hours, of course, you can look at a 24-hour period. But yeah, to to expand that to a whole week gives you a whole other perspective of, of your time. And yeah. actually that in the middle of the day, Thursday is actually the middle of the week. Yeah. That is also a quite an eye-opening uh, thought
1: to have. Yeah, in German, the Wednesday is called middle Mid- of the week or Mittwoch, yeah. <laughs> And that's because they, before, the first day of the week was Sunday. So maybe I've seen this with, with American calendars. They often start on Sunday. I don't quite know the reason for all these things, but uh, it's very interesting. So, Torbjörn, what are you going to talk about next time?
0: Yes, next time I will, I will show you some of the, uh, some of the, the things I'm using most time on right now, I'm, I have my head dive totally down in Obsidian, uh, and an app for structuring and linking your notes. And I will show you my take on how to structure your notes on the folder section of the notes, because in Obsidian, you have basically three kinds of ways to structure your notes. You have like a folder structure, like in the old days, and then you can link between the pages and then you can use tags to cross-reference for general topics. Next time, I will talk about the folder structure I'm using. And I'm actually combining two frameworks into a Frankenstein system. (laughs) And I'm combining a Nick Milo's access system with the Johnny Decimal system. And I'll talk about how that benefits my way of thinking.
1: Yeah, there's, of course, no one way to do all these things. But finding and experimenting and finding what works for each of us is the and they, the two
0: frameworks, they complement each other perfectly yeah. in my world, at least. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited to show you next
1: time. Very interesting. I'm excited to see it too. Yes. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear from you. Give us feedback in the comments. If you have any ideas, tips, tricks, topics, and other things you recommend to us. So we can look into it and possibly discuss in a future episode until next time remember be curious, attentive and kind. Goodbye.
0: Goodbye.